Yeah. 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 Booming out in Sabonet like Lou Will. Six men like Lou Will. The Six Man Podcast. Welcome back, folks, to the Sixth Man Podcast, solely focused on the National Basketball Association, with yours truly, Alex Moskowitz, from the Emory Wheel Sports Section, and Aaron Perlstein from Fan Interactive. Okay, so this podcast will be broadcast on all platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So today, we're going to dive into the NBA offseason with a segment we're now calling Report Card. So, Report Card Eastern Conference Edition is presented by Grip. The best, most personal, newer power brand on the market. Go to godsgrip.bigcartel.com today. Okay, so with the Eastern Conference, let's start with the defending champion Toronto Raptors. So, I mean, if we're talking about the Toronto Raptors, you know, we have to talk about the departure of Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, you know, the cornerstone of their finals uh, win last year. And they were put into a tough position this offseason because Kawhi Leonard kind of played with them. You know, said, "Oh, I might resign. I might not." Like, so they couldn't really do anything with their cap space until he really made his decision. So, you know, they were put into a hard position. But I think they got some valuable assets on reasonable contracts, like Rondé Hellis Jefferson, Cameron Payne, Stanley Johnson. Um, they resigned Patrick McCaw. So we'll see. I mean, but there is a tiny bit of a rebuild going on in Toronto because they lost Kawhi and Danny Green, and I'd be surprised if you know um, Kyle Lowry was still on the team by the end of the year. Um, I think that it would be a smart move to kind of start over in a sense because, you know, you won the championship. Now you don't have your, you know, your pivotal piece. So we'll see how they do. I gave them a C plus as my draft pick because I was a little lenient because they didn't really have as many opportunities as everyone else did because of Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the Raptors, uh, they definitely, they got some guys who are kind of boomer bust. I mean, if you remember, Stanley Johnson was... Just recently, four years ago, the number nine overall pick by the Detroit Pistons. So this guy clearly has talent. The question is, can he put it all together? And the Raptors and Masai Ujiri are hoping that they find a diamond in the rough in Stanley Just in Stanley Johnson who can help contribute uh, and provide valuable minutes for what they're hoping uh, to be a playoff team in the in the the Raptors. I mean, they do have an aging roster, so. Uh, like you said, Kyle Lowry is definitely a possible trade candidate. And given that they did lose arguably the best player in the entire NBA in Kawhi Leonard and a dynamite 3 and D winger in Danny Green, you have to give them a C for the offseason. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, let's talk about the Boston Celtics. You know, they obviously their offseason was headlined by losing Kyrie Irving to the Brooklyn Nets, but they got Kemba Walker, they got Ennis Cantor, they got, they drafted Romeo Langford and Grant Williams and uh, Carson Edwards, who really showed out in the Summer League. Um, but I'm still a little skeptical of this. You know, I know it's it, Kemba Walker's a great player, but Ennis Cantor doesn't play any defense. Him paired with Robert Williams, who's still, you know, <clears throat> hasn't really shown a lot in the NBA setting. Um, having Daniel Tice, who doesn't play any defense either. 
Uh, I'm a little worried about their inside defense. And then Kemba Walker hasn't been known as a great defender. Um, and, you know, I, I was always a, I wasn't very big on their drafts, you know, in our draft coverage because I didn't really like how they trade away the picks that became Matthias Tybel and Ty Jerome, who I both really, really liked. And they ended up with just all offense, Romeo Langford, but still all offense. He shot 29% from three last year. And Grant Williams, whose size and athleticism is limited. So I gave them a C plus, even though they got someone like Kemba Walker, they still have a lot to prove to me. Um, I still have them in the playoffs, obviously, but, you know, they still have a lot to go. Well, I think with the Celtics, the first thing wrong with their team was the chemistry. So bringing in a high-character guy in Kemba Walker, a good teammate in Ennis Cantor, who, I mean, we saw him back up Frank Nilakina when he went after LeBron. So I think they fixed the chemistry with those two guys, those two additions. Uh, Kemba Walker is also a dynamic scorer, and I think he's better for their team than Kyrie was, even though he probably isn't the same individual player that Kyrie Irving is. I think he'll be better for their team. Uh, obviously, they lost some other guys. I think uh, given that Terry Rozier got a ridiculous offer from the Hornets, it made sense not to match it. And it was clear, you know, Al Horford wanted to wanted to change the scenery especially without uh, Kyrie there. Uh, so I think the Celtics, I'd give them a B- minus because I think they did improve their chemistry, but they, I mean, a team that was considered a lock to, to at least make the Eastern Conference Finals last year, they got blown out of the playoffs by the, by the Bucks, And now it seems like they're starting over a little bit. And they don't have those same expectations, so you have to give them a B minus for the offseason. Okay, next up, we have my New York Knicks. So, uh, Aaron, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about my boys? What um, do you think about my boy James Dolan? You know, even though the consensus in the public is to bash on the Knicks and you know explain how they couldn't get any good players, but I do really like what they did. You know, they accumulated a lot of trade assets. You know, a lot of these players, I would be surprised if they were still on the uh, roster come the end of the season. Um, all these guys are uh, guys that, per, like, um, <clears throat> finals-bound teams like the Clippers, the Bucks, all these guys in the trade deadline will give up a first-round pick for these guys, like Taj Gibson or Reggie Bullock and Wade Ellington for shooting off the bench. So that's exactly, I think, what the Knicks' plan was because, as we know, they have a cap limit. You know, they have they have to give up but some of that $70 million in cap space. They couldn't have they couldn't go into the other the next season with all that cap space. And I think they used it wisely. I think they, they're now just accumulating a lot of assets and into that will create a lot of draft picks and hopefully the end of this demise of a horrible rebuild um but it really stands with james dolan and this offseason showed that that's really where the problem lies you know kevin durant even explained it that he was a for sure nick until march when deandre jordan explained the system and the organization and he decided to start thinking about it again so even though um they couldn't get anyone i think they did good with what they had to do so that's why i give them a b minus uh yeah i agree i think you know they signed all these guys to really team friendly deals given that they they're only really one or two year deals so they'll be able to exchange them for valuable trade assets uh first round picks and really build around 
the guys that they drafted in this draft, R.J. Barrett, Ignas Brasdakis, two really young, promising players, especially, uh, I mean, they both played well in the summer league, so there's uh, there's some hope for, some Nick, for the Knicks fans out there. Uh, also, I think, you know, what... What ultimately limits me from giving them an even even higher grade than a B is the fact that they didn't take on any big contracts that they could have turned into first-round picks and assets this season. Like the Grizzlies took on Andrea Guadalla and got a first round in, in, in return. So given that the Knicks had so much cap space, I don't really understand why they didn't do that. But I was happy that they got rid of the guys who contributed to a freaking horrible season with the Knicks. I mean, would you take Chris Paul? Probably, would I take Chris Paul for if we get assets with him? Yeah. Um, well, that's a more complicated question because a guy like Andre Iguodala, he only has one year left on his deal. And although he's very, very overpriced and old and you're not really going to have a future with him, you're, he's only on the books for one year. But Chris Paul's three-year $120 million deal Mm-hmm. inhibits what you can do for the foreseeable future if you take them on. But, um, so my answer is probably not. It's it's most likely not, just because, you know, that would be, that would definitely hamper what they can do in the future. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so I have to give the Knicks a B. I like what they did, clearing out the guys, contributed to the worst season in Knicks history. <laughs> um <laughs> And they brought in some good young talent, so I'm excited. All right, let's keep going with the Atlantic Division with the 76ers. Okay. I don't like what they did. Honestly, I, I don't think they improved. I mean, the Sixers are one of the teams that are in, you know, are the most in win-now mode. So they were looking to make a big jump this offseason, given that they added a bunch of guys at the trade deadline. Um, and... I think they I think they they missed the mark. You know, Al Horford, their plans are to start him at power forward, even though the NBA is trending towards small ball and positionless basketball. Yeah, but so, that's why it'll work. They have an advantage. So I I don't I, what do you mean they have an advantage? They don't have an they advantage. Have a advantage and he can still space the floor. So what? He averaged like 6 rebounds per game last year. And he's not really a great spa- a floor spacer. He's not like Kristaps Porzingis or Okay, but he has the ability to. You have to. He's not the, an elite. The idea is that you ha- the defender has to be out there. But the thing he is, you, one sec, you had Tobias Harris at the four last year. Now you have him at the three. Yeah, but he's his... better at the four because you have the floor spacing four, then you have Jimmy Butler at the three. So that's more versatility. Also, Tobias Harris averaged more rebounds than Al Horford did anyway last year. So it's not like Horford's going to provide them with this huge edge on the glass. Yeah, but what, the, what he so, provides is, like I said before, was versatility you know their big letdown was when Joel Embiid went out they couldn't generate enough offense especially even with Jimmy Butler even with Tobias Harris even with these guys Al Horford gives them that stretch you know now Joel Embiid doesn't Al Horford's not an elite scorer I'm not saying that he's not he's not saying Joel Embiid is going to be allowed to sit games rest and keep the momentum going with him he doesn't have to play any all back-to-backs because you have a good center in Al Horford a center that made the all-star team three years ago um, Three years ago, that's not that long ago. He's, Dude, he's on the wrong. He's on the wrong side of thirty. They paid him a max deal. First how of important all. was he to the Celtics last year? I don't think he was that important. I mean, how they, they how didn't do that well. 
They they got well, they, destroyed like by the. He said box. it was the chemistry. They so did how, terribly. How could you put he that contributed on to, He contributed to the bad chemistry. How? And he didn't like he didn't blow anybody away in the playoffs. He averaged like twelve points per game last year. He's not and six rebounds. He's not a he's a great defender, and I think he's not a great having, defender. I think the he's most, a mediocre defender. I think the most important thing at the center position. He played the center position for the Celtics. I think the most important thing in this NBA is to have versatility and to have people that can play multiple positions. And that was Tobias Harris at the four. You can still play him at the four, but you have someone like Al Horford who can play the five when Joel Embiid. You're not playing Boban. You're not playing all these guys that can't play behind Joel Embiid. And now you have a great center that will probably start in 28 other teams. And <clears throat> you have him at the four. You could play him at the five when Joel Embiid wants to sit. You have Tobias Harris that can move between the three and the four. You get Josh Richardson, who's a great, efficient shooter at the two, who helps space the floor. Not as much as J.J. Redick did, but he can still definitely do it. Um, Tybal, I love Tybal. He's a great defensive anchor on, off the bench. You get Ron Neto, you know, for, to make up for the mistake of letting TJ McConnell go. Uh, all these guys kind of make up for what they lost. And I think they have the biggest lineup in the league, which will come in handy in the in every facet of the game. And that's why I give them a B plus. I think they really knocked I think Elton Brand made up for his horrible draft by trading away every pick he had that became, you know, tied like everyone. It was horrible. Um, but I think he made up for it with a good offseason. I think the Sixers, you know, they swung and they missed on this offseason. I don't think they'll improve like they like they hope this uh, this season. And I think they're bound for another second-round exit. I think they're going to win the East. I, I disagree. I think, I think they're, uh, they'll get knocked out in the second round by the Bucks. I think... Uh, letting go so of you Jimmy don't think Butler. They're going to be the two seed at all if they're playing the Bucks in the second round. I think I think they'll be either the three or four. I think the Pacers will finish. I think the Pacers will finish above them. Um, I think the Celtics could possibly finish above them. What? Given that Kemba Walker is uh, is a really really good player. I mean, he's carried Charlotte for years. I yeah, really don't what? think. But they were a horrible team without him. Dude, okay. they, they they had thirty three wins last year. Right, you take him off their team, they probably have twenty. Okay, they're they're so down there with the I don't Knicks. Care. I, I, that doesn't show anything. I'm though. I'm telling you, Kemba Walker's never been on a relevant team before. He will show his true worth when it comes playoff time, playoff time, and crunch time, just like he did at UConn. We'll see if there's enough shots to go around for him, Tatum, and Jalen Brown. I mean, Jalen Brown can spot up and shoot the three, so I I think the Sixers missed the mark. And I think they're bound to uh, to be golfing in May again. I think you're so wrong, and you'll see it. Okay. Okay, next up we have the Chicago Bulls. Moving into the Central Division. So my Bulls, I think they killed this offseason. You know, if you look at the biggest markets in the last 20 years, you would probably put the Bulls with the Knicks and the Lakers and all those teams. But, you know, these days with the off- with the management and all that, they couldn't, you know, warrant crazy all-stars. They weren't in contention for anyone that was a, that was labeled a superstar, but I think they and you know that's definitely embarrassing to say the least to be in Chicago and be like that. But you know they got Thad Young, they got Tomas Sadaransky, and those guys just they're efficient. They're they both have played over eighty games the last two years. Um, they were both on reasonable contracts, and they can both play multiple positions. And that's exactly what the Bulls are trying to do. Tomas Sadaransky, he can play three positions. With the Wizards, he played. 
you know, 49% point guard, 29% shooting guard, and I think it was around 12% at the um, <clears throat> three position, which is, you know, he's a 6-7 point guard. Um, you get Thad Young, who could play the four and the five. He's a defensive anchor off the bench uh, behind Laurie Markkinen. And they re-sign Ryan Archdiakono and Shaq Harrison, which doesn't really make sense because now we have four point. Now they have four point guards on the on the team, you know. But that probably means the end of Chris Dunn's tenure. But you know, in the draft, they killed it with Kobe White and Daniel Gafford, and uh, I think I give them an A minus because I still don't understand what they're doing with the point guard position. But I think they killed this one. Yeah, I think what you know really makes this offseason a success for the Bulls is their draft. I mean. I'm as high on their draft as anybody out there. And given that they already have a good young core in Chicago, and you bring in a uh, a dynamic point guard, can really push the pace in Kobe White, and a really athletic big in Daniel Gafford, who I think was underrated coming out of Arkansas, given the shot-blocking talent that he possesses, the fact that he can go up and get any ball that's thrown near the rim, I think he's perfect next to Kobe White. And I think that's why I give this draft, uh, this offseason an A. Yeah, I mean, Daniel Gafford, if you want to learn more about him, you should go read my uh, article on the Lead Sports Media website. Uh, I labeled him, he's going to be the best second-round pick in this uh, offseason, this draft. You know, you, we see Jokic, we see Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brunson, all these guys come out of the second round and really perform and produce, and I think that's going to be Daniel Gafford. You can go read more in my article. All right, next, we got the Cleveland Cavaliers. What do you think? Uh, I think they shat the bed yeah. on this one. I think Darius Garland is, I wouldn't say carbon copy, given that Colin Sexton is not a great shooter, but he's similarly undersized, similarly has weaknesses on defense, and is a ball-dominant point guard who doesn't look to facilitate for his teammates. So you basically drafted a guy who's extremely similar to, to the guy you just drafted the year prior, then you get Dylan Windler, who was really a mid-second round pick um, at best, and Kevin Porter, one of the riskiest uh, guys in the draft. They also brought in an unproven coach who's 64 and has been in college for 20-plus years, and you bring him in, I guess, to mentor your young players, but, you know, these guys are going to—but he, he's never been in the NBA before— he prides himself on ball movement and emotion-based offense instead of the pick and roll that they run in the NBA. So I'm not sure how well he'll succeed. And I think letting go of high upside guys and David Nwaba, Marquez Chris, who's 23, I, I don't really understand it. So I I mean, this seems generous. I think they're more like a, I put them down for a C plus. I think they're more a C, C minus. Yeah, in my book. I mean, I put them down as a D plus. I don't really like it, but I don't think it has to do with you know. I already shat on their draft like time and time again. I think the Darius Garland Colin Sexton duo is not going to work, and I think getting Dylan Windler and Kevin Porter, they're almost the same player, just a lot of shooting. Uh, so I hate their draft, and I think the biggest <laughs> the biggest thing that pisses me off about the Cavs offseason is that Kevin Love is still on the roster. Um, That's true too. But where are you going to move him? People want him. The Heat will take him. They people these days. You know, the big thing a few years ago was no one could match that contract. Now people can match that contract. 
you could take on people. And I just don't understand why you, you still have an aging Kevin Love on the team where you could get maybe a good first-round pick with someone who has a bad contract. But what's the point in keeping Kevin Love? Probably because, like you said, with the cap floor, they need somebody to take up their cap space anyway. Yeah, but they, and given that they're going to have their young players go get, around Kevin Love. Go get Kelly Olynyk, and, and They can ultimately, they're going to... And they know they're not even close to contention. They won't be in contention for a while. I know, but go get so, Olenek and Goran Dragic and a I mean, pick. Yeah, I do understand your point about the fact that his value is depreciating every year that they keep him, given that and they the also clock still have keeps Tristan ticking. Thompson on that roster. That's true. Tristan Thompson could contribute to a championship team. Yeah, but he has a huge contract, too. Upper and to I'm million, sure his and butt just... buddy uh, LeBron James would be happy <laughs> to take him on any time. He stops could be, he could be cheating. back with. Uh, he stops cheating. Yeah, he could be back with Chloe, Chloe Kardashian. Um, so I just don't really understand what they're doing in Cleveland. All right, we got next the Indiana Pacers. I mean, their great free agency started with a great, great um, draft. You know, they they draft Goga Patate, uh, a great center out of Georgia, um, Georgia the country, uh, and then they go out and they just have at draft day they have an amazing trade fall into their lap with T.J. Warren and the 32nd pick for cash considerations. I don't really understand what the Suns were doing. Um, maybe they thought they were getting a premier all-star in free agency, and they didn't, if, unless they think Mark Rubio, uh, Ricky Rubio is really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they go out and they get Jeremy Lamb. They get Malcolm Brogdon, T.J. McConnell, just insane guard depth. And they have T.J. Warren, who, like I said, who could fit right into the starting lineup or off the bench. Justin Holiday for the veterans minimum. They just have an insane depth. And, you know, they could definitely contend for the Eastern Conference. So I gave them a B plus. Yeah, I mean, the the Pacers were in contention until Victor Oladipo got injured. And I think if he's healthy, they beat the Celtics in the first round. So given that they added... Bro, you how know, are they playing the Celtics in the first round? No, I'm, I'm saying last year. Oh, right, right, right. Victor Oladipo got hurt last year. Towards ACL. Just talking seating wise, didn't make sense this year, but I understand that. Oh no, not this year. Okay. Okay. Would you listen? Mind your manners. When I talk. Okay. No, but um, yeah. So they added really good guard play, and Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo on defense. I mean, that's an opposing guard's nightmare. Malcolm Brogdon's arguably one of the best defenders at the guard position in the entire NBA. Pair him with Oladipo. Really athletic, long, and a tough two guard. And yeah, I mean, they're shutting a lot of guys down. And then you have the hard nosed, uh, unselfish play of TJ McConnell off the bench. You have a good wing defender in Justin Holiday. And I really like what they did replacing Boyan Bogdanovich, Thaddeus Young. Uh, they lost a lot of guys, uh, but they replaced him with really good, solid players. Ultimately, though, in order for them to score, they're going to need to play. Through Demonte Sabonis, Miles Turner, they're gonna kind of have to play the old school way, inside out. Especially given that you know you're not sure what Oladipo is gonna give you, given that he's coming off a relatively serious injury. He should be healthy for the start of the season, but he's coming off a relatively serious injury, so you have to play inside out. But I think given their roster changes and the fact that they upgraded the point guard position, uh, bringing in Malcolm Brogdon for Darren Collison. I think I have to give them a B-plus a B for the offseason. They did a really good job, and I think they're up there with the Sixers and Bucks in contention uh, for the Eastern Conference title. Yeah, let's hope. I mean, they're a little bit of the underdog in the top of the Eastern Conference that everyone's kind of rooting for. 
Definitely. Uh, so staying with the the Central Division, we got the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, obviously we know they had a great successful season, ended in sadness with the loss of the Toronto Raptors, and everyone thought they were finals bound. Um, but I don't really like their free agents, uh, like the free agency. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I think they overpaid uh, a lot of people to come back. I think they got nervous that they were losing their championship window, and they gave Chris Milton a huge contract. That he really did not deserve. George Hill, a contract that was, I think he's worth minimum, con- like a min- veteran's minimum. He got more than that. I think Brooke Lopez, the same. Um, so I think they, they kind of hurried and tried to give all their cast space to the players that they had already um, to try and just keep their championship window alive. So hopefully it works out, or they they have a lot of contracts that are tied to so-so players. Um, but I do like that they went out and got Kyle Korver, Cam Reynolds, Dragon Bender, Wesley Matthews. I think that's just perfect shooting. I think that's exactly what they were missing in the playoffs. You know, they were George Hill couldn't make a shot, Eric Bledsoe couldn't make a shot. Now they have all these guys that could be put into the rotation that could just consistently hit shots. And Cam Reynolds is on a two-way. You know, at a two-lane, uh, he's a great, great shooter. He put up 19 points for the Timberwolves one game with seven three-pointers. and Six three-pointers, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was a little confused with your math, but... Six three-pointers. It's all right. You go to um, Tulane, it's fine. Oh, yeah, hilarious. Um, so I think they, you know, they... I don't really like ex- what they did because I think they got nervous and gave a lot of money to returners. That just wasn't necessary. So I gave them a C, actually, even though the public thinks that they're poised for a great season after a great free agency yeah i i agree they definitely overpaid but i think it was really important coming off the huge increase that they uh that they had last year you know they went from 42 wins to 60 wins last year it was important for them to stay stay the course and continue to to develop the chemistry uh that they established last year and really they were they probably should have won that series against toronto and Kawhi Leonard was the only thing that stopped them from winning it. So, you know, bringing back Brooke Lopez, who's who's really developed into a really good shooter at the center position. And they get Robin. And they get Robin, who can provide valuable minutes off the bench. So I think the key signing is Brooke Lopez, you know, re-signing him, because he really offered a different dimension for their offense. Did you and know Brooke Lopez— Last year, hit more threes than Kobe Bryant ever did in the, in the season and had more blocks than Kevin Garnett ever did. Fun oh, fact. yeah, I, I saw that stat. Same. Yeah, but Brooke Lopez was phenomenal last season. He really provided the shot blocking that they needed and the three-point, like you like you mentioned, the three-point uh, percentage and shooting that they really needed. So I think re-signing Brooke Lopez is really important. Chris Middleton... A proper sidekick, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Even though I think you probably could have gotten better, and he was way overpaid. But you know, I think it's important to have the continuity. Also, adding Kyle Korver. That's shooting on shooting on shooting. One of the best three-point shooters of all time. So you put that with Giannis, put him in the corner, and you cannot help off of Kyle Korver a bit. So I think it's a pretty good fit. I I have to. I'll give him a B. I don't think it was the slam dunk home run that people are describing it as, but I think it was a good solid offseason, so I'd give it a B. Okay, next up, in the Central Division, we have the Detroit Pistons. You know, it was a little bit of a confusing free agency for them, but they got great players. You know, Derek coming off a great six-man-of-the-year contention season. 
um, Tim Frazier, Markeith Morris coming back to Detroit. And then they go out and they get Sekou Diomba in the draft. I think he's going to – he's a project. He's going to definitely take a few years to, uh, you know, learn the game, learn the basketball IQ. When I scouted him, you know, he just – there's just things that he doesn't really understand yet, you know, switching on a pick and roll, switching on defense, you know, filling his lanes on transition. And those things are just going to, you know, have to come to him. But it's going to take a few years. And I think, you know, and they, I love Christian Wood and Tony Snell – and they didn't really lose many people in free agency. So I think this was a successful free agency. I did give them a B, but I don't know if this places them in the playoffs yet. That's all. Yeah. I really think the only reason I'd rank them higher is because I am really, really high on Sekou Dumbaya. I think he's a carbon copy of Pascal Siakam, except he's four years younger than Pascal Siakam was entering the draft uh, out of New Mexico State. So... You know, Dumboya, he's 6'9". Yeah, and what's Pascal? Siakam is like 6'9", 6'10". Right, so he's not that tall. He's similar in height. He's not as tall. What, by an inch? Yep. Stop get, stop getting on me for the semantics. Relax. <laughs> Relax yourself. Okay. No, but Dumboya, you know, long, athletic, showed the ability to knock down the three-pointer. Not a really good, consistent three-point shot yet, but like, like Pascal Siakam did this past year, I think he develops it. Super young, and I think he's the possibility to become a real star in the NBA. So I really like that. Derrick Rose, he, you know, uh, rehabilitated his value this past year in Minnesota. He proved he can still play in the NBA and could stay healthy. Tim Frazier is also a solid backup point guard that you can mix in with Derrick Rose. And Tony Snell has, uh, has provided uh, or has proved to be a relatively good 3 and D wing. And, I mean, like you said, not sure if this gets them over the hump in terms of really contending for uh, um, for the... or I mean, they're going to contend for the playoffs, but really cementing their status amongst, uh, amongst the elite of the Eastern Conference and giving them a chance to beat them. Uh, I don't think this offseason does it, but I think it was a good, solid step, especially drafting Sekou Dumbaya, which will provide them with um, with a positive future. So I give them a B plus. Okay, next up, we're going to the south in Miami. Miami. So uh, the Heat, they added one of the best players in free agency, Jimmy Butler, for, former all-star, stud, you know, can really play defense, averaged one year, and it was two or three years ago with the Bulls, averaged 25, 5-5. Five and five with them so he can really do it all and given that he really wanted to be in Miami and when he's happy he plays much better so I think he'll be uh be a really valuable valuable piece for them next year and help them help bring them back to the playoffs after their um after they missed uh just barely this past season also I mean Myers Leonard showed he still shows promise in um you know, in spots, he was really good in Game Four of the uh, of the series with the Warriors. He knocked down some threes, provided good shot blocking. He's long, athletic. I like Tyler Hero a lot. He was a beast in summer league. I mean, summer league is a whole different animal, but the kid can shoot the heck out of the ball. Can also put the ball on the floor. He's six six, and I think he can come off the bench and contribute right away. Casey Okpala, I really like coming out of Stanford, uh, long, athletic wing. So. I think they had a solid offseason. I give them a B. 
I agree. I, I do like their draft. Uh, I do like Tyler Hare, and I do like KZ Okpala. I had KZ in um, my first round, even though he slipped to the second round. Um, Jimmy Butler, I do like the point that you said about how when he's happy, he plays better, and I do agree with that because he did pick Miami, he said, because he they were there when Dwayne Wade was introduced for his last home game, and he said that the roar, the crowd, everything, he's just never seen it before, and he wanted to be a part of it. And he also wanted, you know, the whole Miami experience. Let's of course, not, of course. Let's not be... You know, but let's also, not... you have to understand, Miami, people don't know. Right now, if you see it, they have the most cap space in 2021, the biggest, the really, really big free agency year with Giannis, with all of them. So that could really be put into play and maybe why he really made a four-year contract out of having Miami. Um, but I think... They still didn't address a big thing that I wanted to see that like them address is the point guard position. I don't really trust Goran Dragic these days, and I think that they don't really have a backup to um, behind him. And I think that was a big need for them. Yeah, they got rid of Hassan Whiteside, so now Bam Adebayo has the full spotlight and Justice Winslow. Yeah, they put Justice guys. Winslow at point guard, and he yeah. he was relatively good last year. He obviously he's not a phenomenal three point shooter, but he proves more than capable of running the point. I think he shot 36% from three last year. Not in a super high volume, but he still showed the ability to knock it down and provide valuable depth behind Goran Dragic or, you know, fill in for Goran Dragic when he's injured, which is very often. Yeah, I just think that they could have gone out and got someone for a veteran minimum or something and helped their point guard. Position. I agree, yeah. So I give them a C plus because I thought that was a very big need that they did not address. Uh, so going on to the Orlando Magic, the Orlando Magic wasn't—they weren't very loud in the offseason. They kind of just snatched Vucevic back and Terrence Ross and all these guys, um, just to make sure that no one snatched them up. And they gave him a pretty big contract, m- maybe one that he doesn't deserve. But then they went out and got Alfarik Aminu and drafted Chuma Kiki. Chuma Kiki, I mean, he's coming off a torn ACL. A lot of people had him drop to the second round for that, but they still drafted him in the first round. Um, so they didn't really do much noise, but they obviously got their quarterback in Vucevic, and they still have Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon. So hopefully, and they made the playoffs this year. So hopefully that continues. And Mobamba. And Mobamba. Come on, how could you forget? <laughs> so hopefully that continues, and I give them a B minus because they they brought back their core, but they don't get higher because they didn't really do anything else. Uh, I have them ranked. Uh, I have them graded out a little higher because, I mean, they made a huge win increase, huge jump. This past season, going from 25 wins under Frank Vogel to 42 with Scott Skiles. So, I think, you know, staying in the course was the right call. Resigning Terrence Ross, Vucevic, Michael Carter-Williams, uh, and resi- and signing a good veteran uh, defender in Alfa Rucamino. And they didn't lose anybody, so that's important. You keep the cohesion going, and you still have all the young players who uh, hopefully will continue to develop and provide valuable depth for the guys that they have now. I think... I really think they could make a leap this year and, you know, be in the the middle of the Eastern Conference. So now we're moving on to the Washington Wizards. And they, of any team in the league, they definitely did the worst. They were freaking terrible. I mean, who the hell is running that organization? The fact that that guy was brought back, their, their interim GM was made permanent as their GM, shows the dysfunction of their franchise. They are absolutely terrible. They're, I mean, I just, they have no plan. They have no plan whatsoever. They let good young players go, signing veterans to 
way overpriced deals, and I just don't understand it. I mean, the Jabari Parker's 23. Bobby Portis is young. You know, Thomas Sadoransky played. He played 80 plus games for them. He was a good player for them, and they let him go. And then bringing Isaiah Thomas, Ish Smith, these bum ass veterans doesn't make any sense to me. So I give him a D. Aaron's definitely harsher than I am with <laughs> I the worst that. possible grade. But even Ru- drafting Rui Hachimura, that feels like a reach. And it definitely feels like they were trying to tap into the East Asian market. And it was projected that he would sell even more jerseys worldwide than Zion would, even though he clearly wasn't the player that Zion is. So it feels like uh, that they're definitely more focused on making more money and keeping themselves at least like somewhat relevant instead of actually planning for the future, given that they didn't trade away Bradley Beal, even though he would command a ton of assets and they could actually start the rebuild. Yeah, exactly. I think the reason I gave them an F and basically an incomplete grade is because they brought in veterans and they got, they didn't like get any calf space. They gave up, they haven't given up Bradley Beal or John Wall. They're basically keeping them captive with a horrible lineup. Uh, I don't understand what they're doing. Um, <clears throat> I think they need to give up these two guys and just start over. I do like getting Davis Bertans. But other than that, I mean, I don't like what the Wizards did. I think that they're a demise of a franchise, and I think they're a gross franchise. So, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, we both gave them a D here. I mean, yeah, they were they contenders with the Wizards for worst offseason. I mean, they signed Terry Rozier. To a ridiculous contract, yeah. they drafted PJ Washington, who really doesn't have a. I mean, he's, he's he doesn't have a best position. Yeah, and then Cody Martin, not like, even the best Martin brother. I think he's a pretty solid player, but he's a second rounder. He won't make or break your off season. Jalen McDaniel's has upside out of San Diego State, but you know the guys that they lost and Kemba Walker wanted to come back for a while, but the the fact that. They were willing to give Terry Rozier three years, $59 million and not pay Kemba Walker, a guy who's been super loyal to their franchise, and he's one of the best, ten Horrible. best point guards in the entire NBA. doesn't make sense. Also, letting Jeremy Lamb walk. I a lot walk. more out of Michael Jordan, to be honest. I think it's horrible that he did that, and I think it's just, it's just embarrassing to not give Kemba Walker the due diligence of what he gave to the city. Uh, yeah, I mean... I don't think they rewarded him, or rewarded him in the proper way. Um, I think, given that he really has carried this team for a while, I think it was disrespectful. So we both gave these Charlotte Hornets a D for their offseason. It was terrible. Team. Okay, next up, we have the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta Hawks. So the Atlanta Hawks, I think they did incredibly. I mean, I love their draft with DeAndre Hunter, who really addresses the fact that they were so bad on defense last year, one of the worst teams in the league. And I think he slots in really nicely next to Trey Young and John Collins, given that he doesn't really need the ball. He makes quick, decisive moves. He can shoot the three. He can play really hard-nosed defense where he can defend multiple positions. Also, getting a high upside guy and Cam Reddish at number 10 to pair with him, I think that's super important. I also like Bruno Fernando. I thought he deserved to go in the first round. Great rebounder, uh, NBA body, uh, and he showed that in the summer league. Uh, you know, he averaged multiple uh, or double-digit rebounds, uh, around 12 points at Maryland. So I really like Bruno Fernando. 
they didn't make any splashy signings in free agency, but they got Jabari Parker, uh, who still he proved on Washington that there's still something left in the tank. I don't love the Evan Turner trade, uh, given that they traded him for Kent Bazemore, but you know I'll let that go given how enthusiastic I am about their draft and the fact that they acquired more picks before the draft uh, by by taking on Alan Crabb's contract. So I have to give him an A. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I really love their draft. I think they got just players that can come in and just slot in and produce right away. But I don't like uh, the trade of Evan Turner. Or I do understand what you're saying. They got a pick in Alan Crabb. But uh, I, don't th- I think they're like really past the idea, the the plan of taking on big contracts. I think they have a great team right now. They didn't give up much except Torian Prince. And I think that they're ready to try and contend for a playoff spot with Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, um, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins. So I think that they're past the point of taking on big contracts. That's why I gave them a B. I think Evan Turner is someone that doesn't really have to be on the NBA roster these days. And Alan Crabb is a huge contract. So that's why I didn't give him that high. Um, so our math is telling us. No, no, no. So last but not least, we wanted to talk about probably the team that made the most oh, we, noise. We, we put them here specifically? Yeah, we put the Nets last. Okay. Because, I mean, they are very controversial. You know, I don't think they did a great job in this offseason, but you know, everybody else in the media has said otherwise. So they added Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, DeAndre Jordan, a ton of role, ton of veteran role players, Garrett Temple, Wilson Chandler, David Nwaba. They also got Torian Prince in a trade, and they drafted Nicholas Claxton. So they were very active, and I, uh, you know, they they also lost D'Angelo Russell. Uh, they lost a bunch of veterans too: Ed Davis, Damari Carroll, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Jared Dudley. Um, and I really I like the team that they had last year. I think it allowed their young players to thrive. And I think bringing in DeAndre Jordan first stunts the development of of uh, Jared Allen and Claxton and Nicholas Claxton and DeAndre Jordan really isn't the same player. I mean, there's a reason the Maver- Mavericks got rid of him. He only averaged one block per game last year, when at his height he was averaging 2.5 blocks per game with the Clippers. Uh, he's lost some of the athleticism. He still uh, is a terrible free throw shooter. Uh, he has a limited out uh, or offensive game outside of just dunking the ball. And Kevin Durant's not going to be uh, not going to be on the floor this year. And they gave him they gave him the supermax deal, uh, four years, one hundred sixty four million dollars that a lot of teams were not willing to uh, were not willing to do. So you know I have question marks about the Nets. I don't think it's a slam dunk this offseason. I think, like I said before, I I mean this is one of my famous quotes. It's an Alexism. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to copyright that, Alexism. You know, this offseason, it wasn't the home run that everybody's describing. It was a freaking double. So I'm giving them a B. So I give them an A-. minus. I think outside of, you know, I agree Kevin Durant probably won't play this year. But I think Kyrie Irving will be timid with Kevin Durant and DeAndre Jordan around him. And I think what gives them, what propels them into the A place is their depth. I think getting all these guys, they're all players that could just produce on the bench. David Nwaba is going to be their like ninth man, and he is a great defender. 
And Torian Prince is a startable small forward right now. And I think Kyrie Irving is definitely better than D'Angelo Russell. I think. With I don't Ke- think so. With Kevin Durant and DeAndre Jordan around him to individually, him he's to, a better player. And to have to have other stars on the team, not just him. Like he had all those young players in Boston, and having these guys that are proven veterans, it's different. It's going to be different. I mean, they had veterans in Boston. They had Al Horford, who's one of the best teammates in the NBA. Okay, and, and they had Kyrie Jason Irving. Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry, all these guys that would go out partying in back-to-back games. And I think that. Kyrie Irving kind of got sick of it. And I think having these guys... What? I disagree. I think Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown both wanted the ball too much. Kyrie wanted to be the star. All the attention was was thrust onto Jason Tatum after he starred. He dunked on LeBron in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. He was, you know, a star rookie. In redrafts, people had him going number one Dude, overall. A, re- a report already came out that the biggest thing that Kyrie Irving, that put him over the hill, that said, I want him out of Boston, is... But where's that report from? I, I think I think that's nonsense, honestly. Like, what Kyrie was... Dude, there's so many pictures that surfaced the internet, which Kyrie, like, has, like, two girls sitting on his lap and stuff back when he was in Cleveland. Like, that's nonsense, I think. It was on a back-to-back. Think- back, they went to Miami, and they only scored 85 points that game. Um, and I think that's the that's the game that Kyrie Irving said I need to be with veterans, and that's exactly what he has here, and that's why I give him an A minus. And I think that you know Kevin Durant might not come back the same player, but they still have a Kevin Durant. I do also agree. They I still do- have who? Kevin Durant. What? Oh, they still have. Yeah, they still have Kevin Durant, even though he might not come back the same. Okay. Um, and I also don't like the DeAndre Jordan. I think it also hurts the progression of their young centers, but. I'm just like I just think getting those proven veteran guards around Kyrie Irving, it's gonna be it propels them into the A, and that's why I give him an A minus. Okay, I mean we can agree to disagree. I've been an outlier, you know, calling out the Nets. Uh, so, you know, I'll accept that. Boy. It's definitely not because I'm a Knicks fan. It's because you know because I see the York. real Kyrie Irving. They're the king of New York. Who the Nets? Yeah, no they're, way. They're New York's team. Dude, the Knicks are still the most valuable NBA franchise in the NBA. Okay. So until the Nets even get into the top 10 in terms of most valuable franchises, you can't tell me that the Nets are even the queen of New York. They're more like the prince. <laughs> okay. So that's it for today. Thank you for uh, listening. We will have another report card, Western Conference Edition, coming up on Thursday. We will see you then.